This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats. I just want to take a moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the support of this podcast. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button and take a moment and fill out a review. It makes a whole lot of help in terms of growing and developing this podcast. Enjoy today's chat. Peace. Hey, this is Karen Coach Corner Chats, and on the podcast, I have Amy Egan. Amy, where are you at, and what are you up to? I'm at Drury University in Springfield, Missouri, uh, NCAA Division II institution, and I just finished my third year uh, as the women's basketball coach. What were some of the, when you first started out at Drury, what were some of the things that you wanted to put in place, or what were you, I guess, maybe where was the program at when you took over? Yeah. So the, the tradition of the, of the program here has been really, really good. Um, you know, I actually came down here my first year and uh, was an assistant coach for Molly Miller, who's now the head coach at Grand Canyon, uh, and then stepped into the head role when she left for Grand Canyon. Um, and, um, you know, she, she had an unbelievable career here. And uh, so for me taking over the program, I was pretty fortunate to uh, be able to step into a situation where I knew a lot of the kids already uh, and able to continue kind of what she had done and, and what the program had done traditionally with it. And uh, which, which means a lot of winning um, and a lot of championships. And uh, it's been, it's been a fun three years. What kind of pressure does that take when you follow someone who's got a program that's yeah. rolling and you come into that? You know, they always say, don't follow the goat, right? Be the one that follows the goat that fails <laughs> and then be that one. But, um, you know, I, I've been a, a head coach before uh, coming down here and uh, have had years of, of being a head coach. And so for me, um, you know, I'm very confident in, in who I am and how I do things and uh, the way I run a program. So um, I think for me, you know, when they, when I was in the interview process, they even asked me like, how are you going to follow, follow Molly, you know, after everything that she's done. And I just said, I'm going to be myself, you know, I'm, I'm going to be myself and uh, be who I am as a coach. And uh, I feel like that I can bring a lot of great things to the table uh, as a head coach. And, and uh, so I feel like I've done that, you know, and, and that, like I said, it, I think it helped me kind of knowing the kids being here a year as an assistant, knowing the kids and knowing what they're good at, bad at um, some of the stuff with the, with the culture of the program, and then be able to just kind of slide in there and, and implement it. Some of my things. What are some of the things that you think that you bring to the table that were different than than Molly? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think everybody has a different way of winning. Um, you know, I, and I tell kids that and recruits that all the time, you know, just because uh, what we do wins games doesn't mean that what you've done in the past uh, wasn't good. You know, every coach has a different style. Every coach has a different philosophy. And I don't believe there's one way of doing anything that's going to win, win you championships. And so, um, you know, I, I didn't really change a lot of things. I think um, for me, um, you know, just understanding my, my strengths and my weaknesses as a coach. And, uh, you know, I always, always try to hire my weaknesses to help out with some of that. But, um, you know, we, we've changed a little bit of, of some of the style of play, uh, mainly because the personnel hasn't been. Uh, exactly the same to what Molly had and was capable of doing. 
so we've, we've definitely changed some of that. And I think that's been probably the biggest thing um, instead of pressing for 40 minutes and flying around. Um, you know, my first year here as a head coach, we ran some zone uh, because we didn't have the athletes to, to run a, a, you know, man-to-man press the whole time. And so just changing up some things to fit kind of our kids and, and the personnel here has probably been the biggest thing. Coaching, what brought you into like getting into this side of things? Yeah, so um, it's crazy because, so I'm not going to date myself too much, right? But uh, <laughs> no, like uh, years ago when, um, you know, I played college basketball and um, yeah, I tell this story a lot. Like I came from a small town of about 2000 people uh, and uh, and then went to college at in Kirksville, Missouri at Truman State. And, um, you know, when I was looking at what major to, to do and, and to pick, um, you know, I really thought, I was going to be a high school coach uh, and a, a physical education teacher is really what I thought I was going to do. Um, and I think you tend to kind of pick majors and, and uh, you know, careers that you grew up around. And that's what I grew up around, you know, being a teacher or a farmer or, you know, something like that. So, um, so I really thought that's what I was going to do. And that's really kind of the direction I was heading with my education. Well, and then I graduated. I went overseas and played in Norway for a year. Uh, and I had the opportunity when I came back to uh, finish my undergrad and I was going to work on my teaching masters uh, at Truman and then uh, Quincy University called me and I actually had a cousin on the team at Quincy and uh, they called me and said hey would you be interested in our assistant job and I was like well I don't you know I don't know I I, I never really thought about being a college coach which is crazy you think about that's crazy because I played college basketball uh, but I really never, never came across, you know, across that in my mind or even thought about it. And so um, I said, well, I'll just, you know, I'll come interview and see what it's like. And of course, as I'm saying all this, you know, back then uh, getting assistant jobs and it was a whole different process <laughs> than now. Um, but I went on my interview and I walked off campus that day and I said, if I blew this because I thought this was something I didn't want to do, I'm going to shoot myself. Uh, and I actually ended up getting offered the job. And, uh, so that's kind of how I got into coaching. So I was an assistant at Quincy university for four years, uh, and then went on and took, uh, my first head job at an NAI institution in Iowa. So what was that for those first four years, um, as an assistant, like, were you just like a sponge? Like what were maybe some of your roles yeah. and responsibilities? Yeah, I think I was really, really fortunate. you take what you can I think that's always good experiences you know I always tell kids that uh, play for me that want to get into coaching you know your next step you may not always learn what you want to do but you're going to learn a lot of things maybe you don't want to do and that's how you form your own philosophy with stuff well I was really really lucky that I worked for a guy that I learned uh, a lot of how I wanted to do things um probably one of the best x and o's coaches I've ever been around and ever seen it at any level um, just a great guy that I think really, really taught me how to win with kids on and off the floor. Um, and he's, he's my biggest mentor. Uh, I mean, he, um, he really, I think laid the groundwork for who I wanted to be as a coach. And, uh, we had a lot of success there because of, of the coach that he was and the person that he was. Uh, and so I was really, really fortunate to be able to learn a lot from him. You mentioned the crushing the X's and O's, but you also mentioned how good he is off the court. 
how important is that not only in your coaching now, but what was it about what he did off the court that you were like, wow, that's so impactful. Yeah. He knew and taught them a lot uh, about how to, how to prepare themselves for the real world, you know? And I think um, that's so important with kids these days, you know, and um, we talk a lot about in our program, which we talked a lot about even with him, you know, everything that we do, we're trying to teach you habits to make you successful when you get out of here. Right. So in other words, we're trying to kind of use basketball to learn uh, how to, how to handle tough situations, how to handle adverse situations, how to uh, work as a team, you know? Um, So we really try to put a lot of things that we do into life perspectives and how that can transition to them into the working world or into their careers, their families, those kind of things to make them successful. So um, he did such a great job at that, you know, uh, getting those kids to understand how academics, uh, the habits of, of academics in the classroom and going to class, how that transitions to the real world um, and, and just how you handle, you know, everything off the court. And so I think, uh, you know, carrying a lot of that on one of the things that that I've done that um, throughout the years uh, that that kind of is the same same uh, scenario as those kind of things is that we do like how to date we call them how to days or, or personal growth days um, where we teach them anything and everything I mean um, for example on uh, Tuesday today's Wednesday right on Tuesday um, we did a day where we taught them how to sew a button onto a fabric uh, or how to you know they have a hole in like uh, not, not the holy jeans that they wear. Cause you know, they all wear <laughs> jeans and have holes all over them, but they have a hole in one of their pockets or something. How do you, how do you quickly sew something that doesn't show? As I told them, it's a lot of stuff that doesn't show how to do those things because, uh, you might need that someday. Um, you know, when you're in the real world and it's crazy because at first they're all like, what, you know, and then, uh, by the end of it, I think they had a lot of fun with it. And I think they realized that, Hey, someday I may need to sew a button, <laughs> button on, uh, so we do a lot of things like that, that I think can help them once they get into the real world uh, in, in di- many different situations. You talked about, too, going to Norway and then coming back. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to give up the playing and becoming oh. a coach? Or yeah. was it something that you were like, you know, what? I've played. I enjoyed it. It was awesome to be overseas. But now I'm ready to maybe try something different. Yeah. It's kind of both. Um, you know, I think I was very fortunate that I actually got another year and got to play uh, professionally. So, um, you know, I had that experience. It was, it, it was a different experience, but it was an experience I would never take back, you know. Uh, so it was good that I got to continue where a lot of kids after four years don't have that opportunity. Um, so I, I was I'm, I'm, I feel very blessed and lucky to, to have had that opportunity. Um, but one of the things, you know, I think uh, that I've really found about coaching. Um, and, you know, just because you're a good player or a great player doesn't mean you're a great coach. Right. And so, um, for me, the hardest thing when I was transitioning and becoming an assistant coach was getting kids, uh, to, I see the game really well. Like I, I, I see it really well. I see what's going to happen. I see reads, like all that kind of stuff has always been really easy for me and probably been one of my strengths. So, how do you get kids that maybe don't see that or that are younger and need to learn that? How do you get them to, to that level? Um, and so 
where a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of, of kids that transition to that coaching world immediately are like, how do you not see that and get frustrated or get mad? You know, um, for me and what I try to tell young coaches, you got to find ways like, you know, your strengths are maybe somebody else's weaknesses, your weaknesses, somebody else's strengths. So you got to find ways to teach them the game and teach them uh, how to learn things. And so that was probably the hardest because, you know, in every, every kid's mind that transitions to coaching, the easiest way to do things is just go do it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Just give me the jersey back. Let me put the jersey <laughs> on. Let me go out there and show let me go out there and show you how to do it. Um, but you don't, you can't do those things as a coach. So, um, and it, it still sometimes, you know, gets frustrating with, with things like that, but, um, that's also kind of the, the fun and exciting thing about coaching is that, um, you know, that's a challenge. You got to find a way to, to get kids to see the game the way you see it. What was the, it like when you decided to kind of pursue coaching and what your family made of it? Yeah. What was it like when they found, when you said, you know what, I'm going to go be an assistant coach. <laughs> right. Well, I don't, I think then and, and uh, at that point, I think they were excited. I was going to get a full-time job, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to make money, not live at home. <laughs> um, so I, I think that was uh, exciting. Um, but I don't think anyone in my family really knew what coaching entailed. You know um, now I get a lot of, um, you know, why do you work so hard? Why do you work so much? Uh, you need to do other things besides basketball. You need to do other things besides work. But um, they also can tell, um, you know, when they're around me or, or when they're with me or, or when we're talking how much I just love what I do, you know. And I think uh, for a lot of people in society, um, they don't have the opportunity to, to really get a job that really makes them happy. Uh, that they enjoy going to that, uh, you know, I don't have Sundays where I'm like, oh, God, tomorrow's a Monday, I got to go to work. Um, I just every day love what I do, you know, and so uh, I think I'm very fortunate with that. And I think they know that and see that. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when you're, when you're able to work uh, in your passion, uh, which is teaching young women and then uh, life and basketball and that, um, I think they understand that that it's just something that makes me happy. Uh, and I enjoy doing so they're they're all for it they come to games they wear the they wear the gear you know all that kind of stuff as you were spending the time as an assistant coach and you're around like such an awesome mentor what what causes you to make that next step um, to move on and say all right I think I'm ready to go try and become a head coach of my own yeah <laughs> good question because uh, I always say that he just kicked me out uh, after four years, he's like, listen, we've had too much success. It's time for you to go and, and do it on your own. But, um, you know, an opportunity came around and uh, I went on an interview and I loved my interview. I just loved everything about it. It was St. Ambrose in, in the Quad Cities uh, up in Iowa. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get to get offered the job. And then t I took the job and I'll never forget after I took the job, I go in my mind, I was sitting there going do I even know what the heck I'm doing? <laughs> you know, I, I think when you take that next step, um, there's a lot of questions like, do I really know how to run a program? Do I really know what I need to do day, day to day, year to year? Um, because a lot of times as an assistant, it's laid out for you, you know, uh, but you do, you, you just, you just kind of know the seasons, you kind of know uh, how to do things. And, and if not, you kind of learn and grow with it. But uh, I'll never forget that first day sitting there going, oh, gosh, do I, do I even know what I'm doing? Because uh, now it's all in my hands. 
but uh, again, that's kind of the funding. You form your own philosophy, all those kind of things. When you look back, what are some of the things that you look back as a head coach now versus the head coach that you were that first time? What were some of the things you look back and go, thank goodness I'm not doing that anymore? <laughs> oh, a lot, a lot. Um, you know, I think uh, it's funny because, you know, I, I stay in contact with a lot of kids I, I coached at the beginning and a lot of kids I coached through, throughout. Uh, you know, so many of them are like, God, you're so soft now. Like, you know, <laughs> you used to be so, so tough and so mean. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of things has changed, have changed for me as I've grown into uh, a seasoned coach, I want to say. Uh, and as I've grown with times, you know, I think if I was the exact same coach that I was back when I first started, uh, I probably wouldn't have a job very long because things have changed throughout the year so much with how you handle situations and how you handle kids and, you know, those kind of things. And, um, so I, I think, uh, in regards to like where I've changed in that, I think I've grown a ton, uh, with X's and O's and grown a ton with how to handle hard situations and how to handle kids and, uh, just how to run a program in general. Um, and, and that's something I think is very, very important for every coach to do. You know, um, I think you should always be trying to grow. You should always be trying to see and ask yourself what you can do better. Um, and I, I think I've done a pretty good job with that. What was it like developing and bringing in your first coaching staff? Yeah. So, um, you know, what, when I took my first job, uh, all I got was me and uh, a GA, graduate assist assistant, uh, and then I had 26 kids, so um, it was a lot to manage and, and uh, a lot of work, and my graduate assistant was uh, somebody that um, was taking classes as well, so uh, it was really, really important with who I hired in that position, and so one thing that, again, my mentor, who's awesome, uh, taught me was like, you need to hire people that complement either number one, what you don't want to do or number two, what you're not good at, you know? So I have been, I, I think I, I learned from a really young age as a, as a coach that I'm not great at everything, right. That uh, I have weaknesses, which is fine. Uh, and I'm really okay with understanding that I do have weaknesses. And then what I try to, to do is either hire people that, that complement those weaknesses or that, do things that I don't want to do. Right. So, um, so I think that is how I've always in every situation I've been in, I've formed my staff. How do you go about asking, like finding that out from someone? So yeah. whatever it might be that you're not good at, how do you, do you just find that through just talking with them and their demeanor, or you do you kind of lay it out and go, look, I would like you to do this, this, and this, because, because <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. So I usually kind of, um, I started with just general conversations about, you know, who they are as a person, uh, what kind of coach they are, uh, what their, I asked them what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Um, and then, you know, I kind of can branch it off from there. If they don't speak on something uh, that I know is important, like, um, you know, for instance, when I was hiring uh, one of my, my staff here at Drury, uh, I needed somebody that could do some social media stuff or that was okay with doing social media. So, you know, I asked, it wasn't mentioned at the beginning, like, this is one of my strengths or this is one of my weaknesses, but how are you, what experience do you have with social media or what experience do you have with uh, weights and conditioning, you know, just different things like that, that I think um, you, you end up, if they don't speak on it, asking them, you know, what they're good at, what they're bad at, and then what 
also that you know you need can they do or not do and then um, you know, you eventually find either someone that fits almost everything uh, that you need or that you can maybe even train a little bit to fit some of that. I think it's really cool that you're willing to say, look, I can't do, I don't know how to do everything. And then right. just you mentioning social media, weightlifting, nutrition, like, I don't know how you would do it as one person anyway. The other thing I was, how in how important has social media become in terms of coaching? Oh, man, it's like, it's crazy. You know, I think um, I told, tell all of the kids that, um, you know, want to work for me, for me, that do work for me or my kids. Like I have a couple of kids right now that are graduating that want to get into the coaching world. Like you need to make yourself as marketable as you can. And this is what's going to make you marketable knowing how to do social media, right? Knowing the good, the bad, knowing if you know uh, how to do any kind of graphic type stuff. Um, if you're, if you have to start at a lower level, which a lot of, a lot of kids do, you know, having a strength and conditioning experience, whether it's getting your certification in that or some kind of certification or uh, being involved in, in strength and conditioning at observing, whatever that is. Um, there's a lot of things I think that I know that at, at lower levels, you know, um, can be very beneficial to, to coaching staffs, um, because social media is so big right now, you know, um, I mean, kids are on five different Instagram, TikTok, all of that. Um, and that's what they do. You know, if they're not doing basketball and they're not doing school, a lot of them are sitting on their phone on, on Instagram. So being out there, being present in front of them. Uh, and making yourself marketable, I think in some way, I think that can be a big advantage. So how long are you at this uh, stop here in Iowa? Uh, so I was there for, for two years as the head coach. And then I have a crazy story. Uh, <laughs> we love crazy stories. So, <laughs> so I was there for, for two years as the head coach. And uh, like I said, it was me uh, with a graduate assistant and I had uh, 26 kids uh, and I knew what I was getting myself into with it. So I had varsity and JV uh, and it was a little bit smaller school in AI. Um, and after two years, uh, my brother called me and my brother was a store manager for Walgreens in St. Louis. And yeah, crazy story. I told you. Uh, and he called me and, and we were just talking. He's like, listen, he's like, I know you're tired. Like you've done nothing but basketball. Like, why don't you come here? You're a female. You can get in Walgreens here. You can move up really, really fast. You can work way less hours and make way more money. And I was like, okay, well, I can be closer to home. You know, I can make more money. And at a young age, you know, kids think money's everything. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, why not? So I did. Uh, I resigned from coaching and I got in as an EXA executive assistant at Walgreens, which is the lowest of the manager levels. Uh, and I was an EXA for about six months. And then I went to uh, an assistant after that for about six months. Uh, and within about a year, year and a half, right around there, I had my own store. Uh, and so I was making a lot of money and uh, working primarily eight to five usually with stuff. And I hated it. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, 
it was not something that was for me uh, by any means. Um, and I know it sounds like really cheesy kind of, but um, I think sometimes when uh, you, you are put through some, some jobs or some situations that you just do not like, you uh, understand the value and the passion that you have. And I think that has honestly made me a better coach um, because I know uh, what it's like not to be in coaching and not to be doing what I love to do. Uh, and helping young women and, and teaching the game. And uh, so I think I was, I was uh, almost fortunate that I got out um, because I had the ability to learn that. Um, and then I had, so after uh, I was out about two and a half years, right around there. And then um, a AD called me uh, from, uh, it was in the same conference as St. Ambrose and said, Hey, we need somebody to come in here and rebuild our women's basketball program would you be interested and so uh, I don't even think I visited I think I just said yes on the spot because I wanted to get back in uh, but uh, so I had the ability to get back in and go to a, a school in, in St. Ambrose conference and I was there for three years and then uh, Truman State opened up and Truman is where I played and went to school uh, and so I was able to to get the D2 head job there and so I was there and then uh, until Drury, and then I came down to Drury. So, so <laughs> you go and step away from coaching and do the Walgreens thing, um, almost like a like a rebalancing yourself, whatever, calibrating yourself a little <laughs> yeah. bit, and realizing like I'm not a nine to five person. Like I need to be in something you talked about earlier, just the, the love of coaching and making impact, um, and and what have you. What what was it like to go and take over a team that was in the same conference as a program you already coached right. at? Right. Um, it was different. Uh, it was hard. Um, I mean, I, I kind of did that with Truman to jury as well. Uh, I mean, obviously you build relationships with all those kids and you get to know not just them, but their families and, you know, they become your family and those kind of things. It's probably just more awkward than anything, um, because I think a lot of kids don't understand uh, some of the situations and, you know, why you do things, of course, uh, with it. But um, but in reality, I mean, you know, building a program there and, and uh, having the ability to get back in. I mean, that was my number one thing, you know, and uh, I had to do what I felt was right for me. And, and uh, at that point, and at that time, it was stepping away to go to Walgreens and then Walgreens back in. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough. I don't know now um, if there's very many coaches that if they're out of coaching could get right back into a college head job, you know, and uh, I was so fortunate just because she knew me and, and uh, had seen me coach at Ambrose that I was able to do that. How cool is it to go back to your alma mater where you played and then become a head coach yeah. there? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, I mean, you know, you walk around every day like you're a hero, right? Uh, <laughs> no, it, it was uh, it was cool. I mean, the the relationships that I had there, whether it was with the faculty, um, you know, across campus, in the community, um, you know, the young kids that saw me play there that were now older, um, you know, the relationships that you have a lot of times last a lifetime, you know, uh, and it was like that. It was, it was when I came back, it was uh, like stepping back into something that was really, really comfortable um, and really, really enjoyable because I loved my time as a player at Truman. 
and so um, being able to do that and be around some familiar faces and, and people that knew me and supported me, um, there's nothing like that. So you're at Truman. What is the draw to go away from your alma mater and then head to Drury? Yeah. So uh, just some conversations with uh, Molly, uh, the ability. I mean, uh, if, if a lot of people know uh, the, the history of Drury and the program, um, you know how successful uh, it has been, the tradition um, and the people that surround the program is a big reason why. And so the ability to come down and take over a, a national power uh, and uh, work in a situation that really, really, really uh, values athletics along with academics, but values athletics and wants to win and um, gives you the resources to win, I think is big. You know, I always say, and I tell kids this a lot, like, you know, I want to work somewhere where I can win and have the ability to win uh, and have the resources and the people surrounding the program that, that give you those, those uh, options or those abilities. So um, that's why we work so hard as coaches, right? Nobody wants to lose. Um, so uh, having that opportunity, I think was something that I just couldn't pass up on. Uh, and uh, it's been, it's been amazing being down here. What, what does it take once you're, at the top like such a successful program how do you do that year in and year out how do you, you know they always say it's hard once you're on the top to stay on the top how do you continue right. to keep that consistency right well you know it's it's hard it they always say like you said it's a lot harder to stay there than to build it right um you know it's just about getting the right people um you know i think for us it's it's about getting kids to understand that um, you know, winning's important and what it takes to win is what it takes to win. And we got to be able to do those things, whether it's summer, whether it's during the year, um, you know, all those kind of things. But at the same time, understanding that like winning isn't everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we definitely want to develop them as people. Uh, we want them to have a great experience here. Uh, they're going to, they get a great education. Um, but it, it, it is hard. I mean, it's hard. You got to get, you got to get talent, right? Uh, you got to get some kids. We got to steal some kids that are D1 uh, kids or D1 talent uh, to be able to stay up there every year because that's what all the great programs do. Um, and so for us, it's just a matter of, of, you know, getting those kids to understand like, hey, come here, win a championship, whether it's conference, national championship, uh, and uh, can help us continue to do what we do. Is, is Drury that level? Is that where you'd like to be? Or is there part of you that's, that you mentioned D1 recruits? Is there part of you that one day would love to be the head coach of maybe a Division I school? I, I mean, I, I feel like for me, um, it's a matter of kind of, like I said, being somewhere where I feel like we can win uh, and win doing it the right way and with the right people. And uh, I have that here at Drury. And um, I'm really, really enjoying my time here. You know, people ask me that all the time about going D1. And, um, you know, it'd have to be a great situation, um, just like always. You know, I, I, I've had opportunities to do that in the past, and um, it just hasn't been something that I felt was either the right timing in my life or something that uh, I wanted. Um, I like what I do and, and the kids I get to do it with and the people that I get to be around here. So, uh, so I don't know, you know. Um, it would, it would take a lot. It'd have to be a, a perfect situation. It sounds like you have matured in terms of kind of your options. Like at the beginning, 
they were like, Hey, you want to come here? And you're like, sure, I'll go. Um, and now <laughs> it seems like you kind of know what you want in your program yeah. when you get there, because you've been, you've experienced 26 girls with you and just another helpful coach and all those types of things um, to where you're at now to recognize that you really enjoy where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I always think the grass isn't greener on the other side, right? Uh, you know, you got to be thankful and for what you have and uh, where you're at. And, and I feel very blessed um, to be here. And so, um, you know, just because, uh, you know, we tell the kids the same thing, you know, don't get wild by obviously all the facilities and everything that they have money wise, right? Um, you got to make sure it's the right fit in a lot of different areas, a lot of other areas, whether it's the people you're around, um, because they form who you're going to be. Right. Um, and so for me, it's the same way, you know, I, I, oh gosh, would I like to be able to charter everywhere or, you know, do those things? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, that's not the end all for me. You know, it's, I, I want to be happy and I'm going to be happy doing what I do and the people that I'm with and the kids I'm surrounded by. And, uh, I, like I said, I definitely have that here. The other thing I uh, notice is a lot of your coaching has been in that kind of Midwest central <laughs> of the U.S. What is the draw? Like what what is a draw for someone to come out to Missouri to play basketball? Man, I'm a homebody. <laughs> uh, so I this is not a lie, but I grew up in northeast Missouri uh, and uh I uh, didn't even want to go to away to school at all. You know, Truman was only 50 minutes from my, my hometown and that was a struggle for me. Uh, and so uh, being out of the Midwest probably wouldn't be an option uh, for me because uh, I just, I've just been here all my life. I have a ton of contacts, a ton of friends, a ton of, you know, whether it's AU high school coaches, all that kind of stuff. And that makes a difference, you know, when you want to be successful is, uh, having those relationships and having those contacts and um, the kids that have played for you, you know, talking to other kids, and talking to high school coaches and talking to AU coaches and about their experience with you and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, I think I've, I've always just been a, a person that knows that like uh, the Midwest for me uh, is, is probably the best fit. Um, although, you know, it has been really rainy here and I'm ready for some sunshine. So <laughs> I don't know, I might need some heat sometime. Uh, but, uh, and I don't like to be cold, but, um, but I put up with it. Is a lot of your uh, recruiting from like the Missouri area, or do you find yourself having to branch out to find um, recruits? Yeah, we, we do mainly. I mean, we start local. You know, there's some really, really good basketball in southwest Missouri. So we start local um, and then we branch out from there. Um, we're pretty fortunate that, um, you know, we don't we don't have to go too far uh, with things. And and really a lot of that, uh, I always say, is because um, I'm someone that like when I recruit a kid, I like to see him play in person you know, and play in person multiple times. I think that's something for me that just helps with me knowing, hey, this is the kid I'm getting. This is how they fit into our system, you know, all those kind of things. I'm not a one that like enjoys watching film and watching uh, and evaluating kids on film because I think there's so many more things you can see in person. So when you talk about like division two and budgets and, and those kind of things, we don't really have the ability just to fly to the West coast and watch kids play. Um, and so it's just kind of been that way. Um, and I know that's not for everyone. And, and a lot of people will uh, are different with that, but that's just who I am as a coach. And so 
uh, it's been mainly in areas where either I've seen the kid play a lot um, or I've had the ability to, to see them in person quite a bit throughout their high school career. You mentioned earlier about people saying, Amy, all you do is basketball, basketball, basketball. <laughs> what do you do when you're not, when Amy is not in basketball mode, what does she like to like to do? Yeah. Well, I have the best dog in the world. That's the <laughs> coolest dog in the world. No, uh, no, I, um, I mean, I have a lot of, I have a great group of friends and family here that, uh, I'm with a lot. And, um, uh, so I enjoy that. Um, I love, I work out. I love working out. Um, I love being outside. I do anything we have obviously Branson and Table Rock Lake is close to us. So, uh, I'll be down there a lot during the summer. Uh, I've, become a, a decent, not a good, a decent golfer. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll go play some golf and, and uh, be around that. But um, I stay busy. I stay busy. And I, I, uh, I've done a really good job, you know, and I kind of talked about the St. Ambrose with not, um, you know, always working and, and, and uh, not doing anything besides basketball. I really found that, found that balance that I need. Uh, and, you know, like May is kind of a down month for us. So in May, uh, you know, I'll take some time away from, from the game and from work and uh, kind of refresh and, and get going for the following year and those kind of things. So there's times of the year that we're able to do that as well. Um, and we have to do that, not just me, but my assistants, I make them do that um, because it's just, it's such a long year. Uh, and, you know, we work so random, such random hours and random days, and we don't get a lot of weekends, you know, those kind of things. So uh, we definitely, I think, um, you know, know that that balance is important. When you all come, so they, the girls go home during the first part of the <laughs> summer, when they come back, what are some of the first things that you, that you try to like mix in the new freshmen? Do you do a lot of team building and bonding? What, what does it look like when we return to campus for your hoops team? Yeah. So we've been, it's been a little bit different because of COVID. <laughs> so uh, now I think we're going to be a little bit more normal this year, uh, with stuff, um, but our kids, um, they'll come back in June and, uh, they'll be here primarily all of June. And so, uh, almost all of them, not all of them, but almost all of them will take a summer class. Uh, so they'll be busy doing that. The work camps for us, our camps are in June. Uh, so they'll all work camps. And then, uh, we'll, we let our upperclassmen run a lot of, um, the workouts and a lot of the program in the summer. It's a great opportunity for them to start to lead. It's a great opportunity for them as a team to start finding who the voices are, you know, those kind of things, but we'll give them a lot of guidance. Like, Hey, this is, you know, this is what you need to be doing. This is what you need to be thinking, you know, those kind of things with it, but they'll lead a lot of it. They'll take a lot of, of the control of it. Um, we'll have some, uh, some meetings about, uh, again, how to days and, and personal growth days, those kind of things, uh, to lay some groundwork of who we are, how we do things, whether that's in the classroom, in the community, you know, those kind of things with it. Um, but uh, we keep them busy in June. I mean, it, it's a, I think it's such a great opportunity for our new kids to really get uh, get involved with our upperclassmen and to really learn who we are, how we do things, um, and to be comfortable so that when they come back in August, it's not like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is change. I don't know any of these people. Um, you know, they're able to slide right back right into it in August. You mentioned earlier too your assistant coaching first stop and how impactful your mentor coach was then. Are you still in contact with him? And do you still now like kind of look for tidbits here and there of like, hey, I'm having this issue. You have what's your thoughts on it or just to talk, just shop? 
Yeah. So yeah, still in contact. I mean, it's crazy because um, that that group of uh, kids that um, played uh, my last couple of years there that were so successful uh, with him and that everyone's really, really close. I mean, we have group chats every day, uh, which is crazy. You, you, it's just hard to explain because they're so close because of uh, how much they went through with winning and just, you know, the seasons, they're just a really close team. Uh, and so he's still involved in all that. And so we still talk uh, around those things. And when we have get togethers and that um, they try to get together usually once a year. And uh, sometimes he's around if he can be around and sometimes not. So um, I don't probably call him up as much anymore and just say, hey, how would you handle this situation, that situation? That's probably just because I feel a lot more comfortable uh, and a lot more seasoned in those areas. Um, but he's definitely still around. Yeah. He, uh, he retired from coaching. Um, so he would, he stayed in college for a while and then eventually moved back to Kentucky and, uh, won a couple of state championships there as a high school coach. And, uh, he's retired now. So, um, yeah, I can't bug him that much. He's got to get away from the game now, have some time <laughs> for other stuff. You talked about too, you just mentioned the closeness of that group. Um, mm -hmm. and when they had all that success, how important is that team chemistry? Like even when you're recruiting, are you thinking about like, how would they fit in? Like you talked about using the summer as an opportunity for you to step away so that the girls can start developing their own kind of high, their own relationships and stuff. How important is them not necessarily yes. getting along, but being cohesive? Absolutely. I mean, um, it's, you're never going to have the same exact personalities on your team. You're never going to have the same exact values on your team, the same exact kids. You don't want those things as a coach, right? Uh, but they have to understand that as individuals and as players that, um, you know, maybe we don't have the same exact thought with stuff, but we have to respect each other uh, and we have to grow with each other and we have to, to communicate and be able to learn how to handle those situations. Because That's what life's all about. Right. I mean, we're seeing that in our everyday world these these days with stuff. And so just a lot of conversations with that. Um, but, you know, in the recruiting process, one of the things that we do is and again COVID changed some of that just because with visits and, and those kind of things but what we do is we have our kids uh we tell the recruits you know come to campus and then we have the recruits spend time with our players without us around as a staff hmm. and we're, we do a couple things a couple reasons number one we do that because we want the recruit to be able to find see what kind of kids they are without us around you know, um, and be able to ask them questions either about the program, how we do things, um, because I want them to know like what we tell them and who we are is what our kids experience, you know, uh, with it. So we're really comfortable saying, hey, go spend some time with them, go find out whatever, ask them whatever questions you need to. Uh, on the flip side of that, which what the recruit doesn't know is that our kids are also uh, evaluating them. So, you know, um, do they fit in here? Do they have the right um, goals? You know, um, I always tell recruits, like, the last thing you want to do is pick a college and you're not surrounded by kids that have the same goals as you, right? Uh, we want to win championships. We want to, you know, we want to, we want to play for those things every year. Well, that takes a lot of things. It takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of sweat, you know, um, sometimes a lot of tears, right? Uh, but um, so, so our kids kind of do the same thing to make sure that uh, what we are, are trying to accomplish here, we're not getting a kid that just doesn't care about winning you know, uh, as we go. So, uh, and we kind of already have an idea with that, you know, as a staff um, and uh, kind of do our research on those kind of things, but uh, it's always good from a kid's perspective too, I think. You mentioned earlier about if I coached 
like I started out coaching just real intense that someone said you're a softy now how does one become quote unquote soft but also have such a high level of expectation that hey when you come here jury's about winning we're going to right. win we're a winning culture um so how do we keep that expectation but at the same time be supportive and like understanding and what have you yeah well i think a lot of it was you know when i was young and got into coaching um you know i think as as a young coach you think I got to make sure these kids understand who the boss is, you know, um, because whether it's age difference or not age difference um, or you being a new coach. Well, um, I think now, like uh, being a seasoned coach, I mean, a lot of kids know uh, when we're recruiting them or they come on campus, you know, the success that I've had. Um, and, and a lot of them already know from word of mouth what type of coach I am. Well, I would say, you know, I'm a player's coach. Like I like those relationships with the kids. Um, you know, we talk, we goof around, we do those things, but, um, just because you're a player's coach doesn't mean you're, you're soft, you know, and, and where before, you know, when I was young, I was kind of scared that those, the kids would think as a young coach that if I, if I, if I laughed with them or whatever, that I wasn't serious, you know, um, now I've, I've learned that you can kind of have both sides of that. So, uh, so we joke around, we have fun, you know, um, all those kind of things we have a good relationships but they also know what our expectations are what our standards are uh and, and a lot of that's just through communication you know a lot of talks a lot of communication um a lot of of just back and forth with hey this is you know this is what i need and what are you seeing and you know i give our kids uh, a lot of i don't want to say a lot of uh, of options with with who we are or anything like that but we have some some conversations uh, it's not just about me. It's not just my program. It's my assistance program. It's my players program. So we all play a part in, in who we are and how we do things. So we, I think we really just work together to form that. This chat's been really, really cool. Um, what are some ways that people, if they want to follow like along with your coaching and, and the Drury ride um, that they can follow and connect with you? Yeah, I would definitely say uh, Twitter and Instagram are the two things that I use the most. Um, and Coach Amy Egan, um, and I think my Instagram is just Amy Egan, but it may be Coach, I don't know. Um, but I would say those are the the two easiest ways to follow. I'm on there quite a bit. Um, you know, I try to stay, as, as we talk, pretty active on social media with stuff. Um, obviously, if you follow any of the Drury Panther stuff, um, you're going to get a good idea of our kids and our players and staff and and those things as well so those are probably the two easiest ways um and i'm i'm pretty good at if somebody reaches out decent i should say pretty good uh i try to respond to a lot of people and try to communicate and, and uh whether it's grow the game or um do podcasts you know those kind of things uh, i think all that's important to uh developing as a coach and and uh like i said growing young kids and, and teaching young kids too well, this has been awesome. I'm going to shut this thing down. This is Kieran with Coach's Corner Chats with Amy Egan, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, Follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful. 
for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.